This week in South Baltimore. Sobohan. Brought to you by SouthBmore.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast This Week in South Baltimore, brought to you by SouthBmore.com. As always, I'm Nate Carper, joined by Kevin Lynch. Kev, what's happening, man? Not too much. Loving loving the springtime, I'll tell you that. Oh, man. Yeah, it's hot out finally. This is awesome. It's what we've been asking for. Bring the heat. There's nothing longer than a COVID-19 winter. Ah, that's that's the winter that lasts forever. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and we're just glad to be back here on the podcast. And we got a special episode today, everybody. We're actually going to be talking to Jim Chivers and Mike Giosa. And these are two real estate heavyweights here in the Baltimore area. They do a lot of work here in South Baltimore as well as all over the city. But uh, Kevin's going to be interviewing those guys. And uh, Kevin, want to tell us a little bit more about your interviews today? Yeah, there's just some huge stories going on in the local real estate market. Uh, as last week, Under Armour announced that they're going to officially make that move down to Port Covington. And certainly they mentioned while doing that, they're going to be selling their Tide Point Complex and Locust Point. So that's a big story. I, I really wanted to get some perspective on the future of Tide Point, how the move to Port Covington boosts the Port Covington project with Under Armour going there. And then also, too, you look at like, you know, the Harbor Place pavilions downtown. Those are really kind of in a a bad state right now. They're in a receivership. Uh, You look at the states moving 3,300 office workers to the core of downtown. I want to see how that really affects downtown and and different areas. And then obviously get some of their levels of expertise on in the industrial and retail markets. So really, uh, you know, we have these big news stories. I wanted to dive deeper into it, see what some of the pros have to think. So really good interviews we did with the two of them. I think you're going to learn a lot about what's going on now and what could be going on in the future of the greater downtown area of Baltimore. Let's get started. Let's go out to Jim Chivers. All right. We are joined by Jim Chivers. He's the vice president of Golden Company, a guy who's very familiar with the world of commercial and industrial and retail real estate around South Baltimore and the rest of the city. Hey, Jim, thanks for joining us. Kevin, good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah. So there's some really big stories going on in uh, local commercial real estate that really are going to have some big effects on Locust Point on Port Covington, on downtown, and many other areas. So we really wanted to get in some professionals to, to hear their take on this big news. So, uh, Jim, I know you're a, a Locust Point guy. You own that building, uh, 1104 Hull Street, where you guys, uh, it's a 5,000-square-foot building. Uh, there's a gym going in there called Sobo Strength and Performance. I know that's a project you guys are working on getting to the finish line. But right next door to that building is, is Tide Point. That's the current headquarters of Under Armour. That's a 406,000 square foot complex. They also have another uh, office building across the street that they just leased. So Under Armour announced recently, we always knew they were trying to make the move to Port Covington, but now they kind of really made it official with dates where they want to be out of Locust Point by 2025 and be completely in Port Covington. So that obviously creates a couple of big stories. We're going to have an empty Tide Point at some point in the near future. They've stated that they want to sell that complex. And then obviously you see Port Covington will get its anchor tenant. They're going to be at Port Covington. They're going to build a new 284,000 square foot office building. You add that to the other 170,000 square foot office building they already have down there. That'll give them 454,000 square feet of office space in Port Covington. Uh, Part of that new office building is going to be a 30,000 square foot store for Under Armour. So with all that said, Jim, let's start with Tide Point. What do you see as the future for Tide Point? I'm sure that's a complex that's going to get a lot of interest in this market. Yeah, Kevin, again, thanks for having me. And and first of all, I want to say thank you for all the coverage that you do locally here with the businesses in South Baltimore. It's, It's Kind of refreshing to see some positive news out there. And again, thank you. But yeah, the future of Tide Point kind of near and dear to our hearts. I, I live in the area, as as do you, but it's sad to see them go. 
in the neighborhood. I mean, they've been a key presence in the South Baltimore area for several years with the support for jobs and the involvement with the city and participation in improving the Troll Park amongst other areas here. But, you know, if you look at like the aerial or just the, lay- the layout of Tide Point, the company is a little restricted to some of their growth in the Locust Point neighborhood. Mostly the Tide Point campus is kind of disjointed. Uh, you got to cross a couple streets, you've got a warehouse, and Port Covington will be able to uh, hold held a lot more functional over there for them. And as you said, the Locust Point numbers, I looked at CoStar a little bit earlier this morning. You've got the 250,000 square foot warehouse with some offices there in Beeson Street. There's even a basketball court in there. And then CoStar says that you have a 230,000 square foot class A office building on the waterfront at the end of Hall Street. So a good chance Weller Development and uh, Under Armour's team will handle that sale. We'll still have several years until they start to move out. But one big thing is that's a valuable piece of real estate. And I, I think that you know mixed use, residential with mostly offices, small amount of retail will probably be the, the end game here. Um, and, and a good chance it's going to be A plus or national credit type companies that will be occupying Tide Point, mostly just like. I would compare it to Harbor Point or Harbor East, those type of tenants that are in those buildings. So, you know, it is, again, sad to see Under Armour leave Tide Point, but I think long term, it'll be strong national type companies that will be taking a good hard look at it. I know we're biased, but I certainly look at the the boardwalk they have down there and just that awesome view looking across it at Harbor East and Fells Point. And as far as the strategy for Under Armour, you know, if they're thinking they're going to be out of there by 2025, do you think it makes sense for them to start? leasing up parts of that building in anticipation for a sale? Or do you think it would benefit them to kind of put an empty building on the market? Do you you see any type of strategy they might be looking to do there? Yeah, you know, it's tough to say right now because Under Armour will be occupying it for several years. And and it's, you know, to predict it, if it's going to be an owner user, it could be one company coming in to occupy an entire type point or a mixture of smaller, um, you know, mid-size office tenants, say 20 to 50,000 square foot office tenants, you know, several office tenants in in the complex. So again, too early to tell. Um, we will be able to see once they start putting it on the market, if they're going to market it to one individual owner user or investors and kind of split it up to several different type of tenants in there. And obviously you have that beautiful waterfront there. One thought I had in my idea is you have that boardwalk already there. Maybe you could kind of line the, the first floor facing the harbor with some restaurants. You could sort of have some restaurants on the boardwalk down there. So could you see a, a new development company coming in and maybe adding some waterfront retail, waterfront restaurants to the complex? Yeah, as you mentioned there, on on the street level or waterfront level, whatever you want to call it, that is a beautiful area down there. You've got the football field down there now, kind of track field. I know Under Armour has been using that for a while, but beautiful views. One positive thing about that is you do have the parking to serve the buildings. Plenty of parking lots around there in front of the warehouse. Off of Beeson Street, you've got that large parking lot and then around the bend there on key highway. So you do have, again, plenty of parking to serve that area. And then, you know, the top upper floors, I think you've got three, four story of office building there in Tide Points, um, mostly offices, maybe some residential up on top there. Good thing is Under Armour is not going far. If you're an Under Armour employee and you're living in Riverside or Locust Point, I, I doubt you're going to move because your, your company is only moving about a mile down the road. You're moving to a neighborhood that has really no for sale housing. So if you want to work at Under Armour and buy a house, you 
pretty much still have to do it in Locust Point or Federal Hill Riverside. So I think it could be a good thing for the area when you think about it, where we still have Under Armour, and then maybe it's a chance to get some of these smaller companies into Locust Point, which could really benefit you know the existing restaurants and housing values and stuff, where you might have more C-suites coming into the neighborhood and kind of more, more salespeople coming to the neighborhood that hopefully will be a, a chance where we still have Under Armour, but maybe we have some of these smaller companies too that really take advantage of the Locust Point and South Baltimore lifestyle. Yeah, and and we're starting to see that already with Saperstein getting involved with the old uh, uh, chemical plant um, that they tore down. And I think, was it 110 or 120 townhomes going yeah. in that little pocket there? So very little, and you, you're involved in a lot of the housing coverage too, the housing news here of what's happening here. And I mean, there's not much available for sale. So you're kind of packed at the seams here with you know, residential. And Saperstein's done an excellent job in developing Locust Point, And we're excited for the project that he's doing there on, on Ford Ave too. I think it's 110 or 120 townhomes. You're investing uh, right in that area. Tell us about the project you have at 1104 Hall Street. Yeah, so I'm a, a small partner involved in that building. It was an old longshoreman type facility uh, built very, very solid, two stories, 5,000 square feet. And we hooked up with a guy named James Rehack who is the owner-operator of Sobo Fitness. And we were just in there yesterday, kind of walking and talking with them, kind of like a final walkthrough. And uh, we renovated the building, new roof, all new windows, basically virtually a new building for him. And and he's excited. And having him in the neighborhood is awesome. People that are looking for a, a trainer, definitely check him out. He, he really knows his stuff and excited to have him in the neighborhood and, and occupying the building that's been sitting vacant for you know five, six years. If there's anything we've learned in the last 15 months, it's that wellness is super important. So it's exciting to see another place where people can go and get in a workout. But I know James is also going to be offering uh, physical therapy and different types of wellness opportunities there. So uh, good job on that project. Now with Port Covington, now they get their anchor tenant in two forms. They get their anchor office tenant with Under Armour. They're going to be occupying almost a half a million square feet of office space down there, bringing about 1,100 daily workers to Port Covington. Then you'll have that 30,000 square foot retail store for Under Armour. Hopefully that'll be a big draw. So how much of a boost is that for the Port Covington project, the part that's not Under Armour, to have that those anchor tenants in place? How much easier does that make it for the guys like you that are leasing spaces and, and selling the dream down there? <laughs> well, you know, just a few weeks ago, we saw the uh, announcement of, of Under Armour's plan to move everything over to Port Covington, and we saw some artist renderings. And what I'm excited about, and they're saying by 2025, hopefully construction doesn't get delayed and everything stays on target, but 50 total acres Under Armour will be occupying. It's got a track and field facility, football fields, basketball courts. So, Kevin, I know you've been working on your form a little bit. Happy to meet you over there. <laughs> Seating <laughs> will be also available for um, 1,400 spectators and some of their athletic complexes there. So I saw that UA will commit to 310,000 square feet of new space. That's office, manufacturing, retail space, and total new construction in all of the phases looks to be about 3.4 million square feet of total space with office, retail, residential. And, you know, I expect the same success for Port Covington that Harbor East and Harbor Point has experienced, you know, on the other side of the water. You'll have plenty of parking there, access from all the main interstates, which is awesome to get off one shot right off the 95. And I always like to see cranes in the skyline. So just a couple months ago when they started to, you know, push some dirt around and get that going, 
But soon we will start to see some of the announcements on the tenants that will be relocating and making Port Covington their home and joining Under Armour. And CoStar has just started blasting some of their marketing material. I don't know if you've seen some of the renderings of some of the buildings that are there. And I know they're starting to target a lot of the IT companies and tech companies. So, you know, before you know it, we'll start to see some of the tenant rosters and names of companies that will be moving in. But we'll talk a little bit more about the central business district. Well, you saw some of this from the central business district of those type of tenants, law firms, um, you know, some other national credit guys making their moves over to Harbor East because of the amenities in Harbor Point, because of the amenities and access and quality of living over there. Port Covington will be able to offer the same. And we are excited also to see that get going. Awesome. A little little info about Jim Chivers there. He's a former Division One basketball player for Loyola, so he certainly would uh, be way better than me on the basketball court. But I'll uh, I'll get out there and give my all if that ever if that ever happens. But there will be several new basketball courts down there with a nice breeze off the Patapsco, so that should benefit inside guys like Jim. Uh, I'm washed up, man. I'm just three point line to three point line is, is where I'm <laughs> the, at. The, the European style, the six foot nine guy hanging out behind the three point line. As a big man, everyone yells at, at you for that. So, and it certainly makes sense. We saw there was a push for this extended stay hotel option at Port Covington that they're putting in. Certainly, that kind of makes sense when you see that. Under Armour indeed is making the move down there pretty quickly. I'm sure Under Armour certainly gets their their top athletes that, that come into town, and especially if you get that that track and field turf stadium, that's going to really lead to a lot more of their athletes uh, training on campus. You know, they've obviously always had the nice indoor facilities with their Under Armour Performance Center and their other gyms, and now you'll get where they can go out to a field and throw passes and run the track. So certainly you can see as they have that extended stay hotel, that'll be a nice asset to Under Armour there. And then the Under Armour workers are going to take advantage of the new retail, possibly some of those apartments. So it'd be really cool to see that that development tie together. Now, our traditional downtown, the Central Business District, certainly some big news going on there. Certainly, it's struggled like most Central Business Districts in this uh, this kind of tough office place economy that we've seen during COVID. The state of Maryland has been working on a plan for a couple of years to to get rid of the state center complex, which is in Midtown, and bring those 3,300 state workers to the heart of downtown, Governor Hogan announced just last week that they're really going to put that plan into action, start to move the first 720 workers who are going to need 105,000 square feet of office space. That's about about a fifth of the amount of workers that have come downtown. So so hopefully we'll see about a half a million square feet of office space leased by the state workers. And then that'll leave state center empty, but that creates an, an interesting development opportunity there, which I know the state of Maryland is studying. So, so Jim, bringing 3,300 workers to the heart of downtown and potentially filling up about a half a million square feet of office space, talk about the impact that could have on our central business district. Yeah, well, it's been no secret that the CBD has seen a big hit in, in vacancy rates with some of the larger tenants moving to certain areas in the city or moving out of the city or going to Harbor East or Harbor Point, or maybe you'll start to see some committing over to you know Port Covington or, or even Tide Point. But the city definitely was desperately needed uh, something to give them a shot in the arm here with you know some of 3,000 employees from state agencies not only help the office buildings and the downtown activity, but the parking garages will start to see some revenue. They, they got absolutely smacked not only the past three, four years, but during COVID. Um, start to see revival of the vacant retail stores that are in place down there. You know, one important thing, and you talked a lot of the tenants down there, is security. Um, security will have to be increased because of the amount of activity. And it can't happen soon enough to help the downtown area, which 
seems to be local leaders in the business community are starting to make it a priority to improve downtown. Um, but it, it will take time as, as we recover from the pandemic and start to see some positive activity. And, and on top of that, um, Kevin, you know, Harbor Place is, is all tied into this. And we're all looking for something to give a new life and development, which was once the city's crown jewel. And anytime I know you're, you're probably a bigger sports fan than I am, but anytime you put on the Ravens game and nationally televised game or even the Orioles, that's kind of the first thing they look at is Harbor, Point, Harbor Place and downtown and the Inner Harbor. So it is Baltimore's crown jewel, but has become a non-performing waterfront piece of real estate um, for Baltimore. And it's, it's some, time, some time ago, I think Harbor Place entered receivership status with the New York owners defaulting on its loan. And all that does take time and to make it more complicated, the city owns the land, the buildings are separate. In today's world, this receivership process does take time to work through. But bringing all of these employees to the central business district will improve downtown and improve Harbor Place with all of those kind of vacant retail stores that you see now. Yeah, certainly it's just so frustrating when you look at the state of the Harbor Place pavilions as there's so many components to our inner harbor where you see Rash Field, the south part of the harbor, is really about to boost up with the new park renovation. You've seen the west side of the inner harbor that has come to life a little bit recently with West Shore Park. You know, the aquariums planning improvements, obviously Harbor Point and Harbor East are booming. We're seeing continual growth around Ritz-Carlton residences and Harborview. And it's just so frustrating. It seems like there's always one component that's kind of dragging the rest down. So yeah, hopefully there is a vision there for for Harbor Place soon. I know obviously there's some talented retail developers in this city, like Mark Saperstein, like Cordish Companies, like Case Valley Partners. So hopefully somebody can get in there and do something creative in there that's not only going to draw on the tourists, but maybe bring in locals and office workers as well. And maybe say, turn it more and somewhat more into a park. Obviously, I think that would be difficult to do unless this city or state comes in and puts a lot of money down to, to pay for part of that. But uh, yeah, it certainly will be, uh, be interesting to see there. Certainly very frustrating. And I, I think we all hope that'll get resolved as quickly as possible. And, and, and it does it does take time for that receivership there in, in the Harbor Place. But personally, there, there are a handful of local real estate developers, that, as you mentioned, and um, have done successful real estate projects. And I would love to see them get their hands on. There's probably three or four local guys that you and I probably can mention here, but real estate is local. You know, they understand the market, they understand the trends, they understand the demographics and what the city's wants and needs. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets their hands on the Harbor Place here within the next year or so. So Jim, you're very involved in the industrial market here in Baltimore. I know you've been working on lots of deals in places like Carroll Camden and Cherry Hill and Brooklyn and in different areas. I know that's really been an active market if you see the kind of booming economy when it comes to importing and exporting and the increase in the canal and big e-commerce. So just uh, talk to me about what you're seeing in these industrial areas. I know that's been a, a busy sector for you. You and I have been talking a lot about the South Baltimore deals. And, and one deal that we've worked on here within the last you know, three, four months was a project at Gaslight Square, which we settled in January of this year, which is a 100,000 square foot kind of mixed use office light flex building. Um, about 40% of its lease, the remainder is rough shell condition. So some local investors came in and invested a lot of money in making improvements here. And, and we're looking for some office tenants. They've got the exposed brick, the open concept, you know, some modern build out in there. And Talking to some marketing companies that are coming through, we've had some breweries give a good hard look at it. We're still early in the game as we're going through kind of the, the last stages of construction now. Um, so we're excited about the progress over there. And that's right off of uh, Carol Camden. Um, I know a story that you covered was Mayorga Coffee, who just bought a, I believe, a 70,000 square foot facility 
uh, off of Austin and Wicomico Street. And, uh, renovating a warehouse there, roasting facility, distribution site. So again, positive activity. They're willing to move out of Bethesda come, to come in that Carroll Camden market. And another big project we've been kind of monitoring and talking to um, the owner of is a guy named Chris Reagan, who's handling 1100 Wicomico. It's about a 400,000 square foot multiple level industrial building. And, you know, guy Chris Reagan is handling it, kind of an incubator for small businesses. A handful of smaller size guys are in the building, which allows room for growth. And Chris taps these guys and helps them out with resources to expand. And then hopefully they'll call either myself or or Mike Gioso to go buy a building later down the road. But it's it's one thing it helps get the guys that, you know, start up their businesses. They start in that building and then they expand into, you know, call it 20, 30, 40,000 square feet later down the road. And then the entertainment district, Kevin, I know you've been following a lot of, and that's right next to the casino. That's attracted a lot of out-of-state investors um, for some of the you know, other outlaying parcels around there. Um, so without a doubt, we've seen a lot of activity in that Carroll Camden and Pigtown market. Very cool. And then you look at Curtis Bay. I know there's you know over a million square feet of new kind of e-commerce and distribution warehouse spaces going in there. So what, what's driving the market in an area like Curtis Bay? Well, one thing, my wife ordering everything online, um, <laughs> you know, the e-commerce world is just uh, driving these industrial buildings. Um, the values are in high demand and, um, you know, e-commerce has just really boosted the industrial market, especially in the South Baltimore. There was an old dilapidated building that some out-of-state investors are putting kind of a distribution site down in Curtis Bay, which is all, I think, positive development. It'll offer jobs for those you know, those down there in the South Baltimore community and, and um, you know, positive development. Very cool. I know a lot of people are attracted to the sexiness of a Ritz-Carlton condo or some of that harbory stuff, but Baltimore at its roots is a, is a blue-collar town and the port is obviously a huge driver. So it's great to see that those port-related industries are doing well and, and kind of having a second life here. And, uh, you know, that's really kind of a, a part of the economy that a lot of people don't think about, but it really provides a lot of jobs, a lot of investment, and uh, keeps a lot of people busy. Thanks so much for joining us, Jim. I know you're uh, often busy uh, showing more of these buildings, but uh, we appreciate your time and uh, keep up the good work in Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you for your coverage, too. And uh, we love you know seeing what you're digging into. You've, you've uncovered some, some impressive stories here with the last few years. So keep it going. And thank you for all your coverage here in Baltimore. Will do. Thank you, Jim Chivers, for joining us today on the podcast. Stay tuned for part two. We're going to be joined by Mike Gioso. All right, we have another great guest joining us to talk about these uh, big topics in the local real estate market. We have a broker and commercial real estate advisor, Mike Gioso. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for your work in um, reporting in Baltimore City and all things local. Awesome. Well, Mike's got more than 10 years experience uh, working in the Baltimore market, working all kinds of uh, commercial deals. And uh, I know he's uh, he's had his own YouTube show and a lot of a lot of creative ideas. So Mike will definitely give us some, some good perspective on uh, these these big stories which are going on. And the, the first one that's really big is obviously uh, Under Armour has announced they're officially making that move to Port Covington. I know they've talked about it for years, but they've really set a date of trying to get fully there by 2025, which leaves high point as a, a building that they will they will sell we'll see what type of condition that building is in when they sell it whether it's they start leasing it up to other companies or whether it's kind of an empty building so uh so mike what do you obviously with tide point that's going to come on the market that's got to be one of the premier properties in the city what do you see as the the future for tide point without under armor 
Well, I would say, honestly, it's not a zero-sum game. I think that real estate is so character-rich that it's the type of stuff that could lure other engaged employers into the waterfront and into the market for that matter. So, you know, at the same time as they'll be concurrently trying to tell the storytelling of cyber and technological office space down at Port Covington, I think you've got more opportunity for design and collaborative and sort of emerging office uses right there on the waterfront that, you know, it, I hate to think of Baltimore as a zero-sum game always. I think we can you know, probably use that asset to lure some cool companies down from different parts of the city or metro area. You know, certainly you look at the Tide Point complex, it's, you know, it's over 400,000 square feet. And there, there, there was once a restaurant there, but there's currently not any retail there. So obviously you have the part of Tide Point that faces that really awesome view of the Inner Harbor. There's a boardwalk down there. Do you see some opportunity to uh, infuse some some restaurants and retail there into Tide Point? Maybe uh, give it an extra asset? Yeah, potentially. I mean, when you are down there, what you referenced, Kevin, is absolutely right. If you're outside of the, the Air Synchros office space and that that field that Under Armour has, it's it's magical. And fortunately, part of the um, plan for Port Covington is a lot more public space and, and chances for people to use what's a really underutilized asset. Anybody, a citizen, a developer, a broker who's walking that waterfront just sees opportunity when they go down to that part of town. You know, obviously Under Armour was almost a single user of Tide Point. They also had that that big warehouse property across the street where they also had offices and a basketball court and a, a cafeteria. So the, the good thing is the area is not losing Under Armour. They're going from Logos Point to Port Covington, which are right next to each other. You know, if you're uh, if you're working at Under Armour, you're probably not going to sell your house in Locust Point or Federal Hill because you're moving a mile down the road. The 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 opportunity to get kind of more collaborative type companies and and different workspaces in in Tide Point. Do you think that could be? a nice benefit to kind of Locust Point restaurant owners and Locust Point home values and the rest of the peninsula is maybe you'll get more of these smaller companies that are maybe, maybe have to kind of come outside the office a little bit more to eat, to kind of entertain clients, to uh, just take a break. Do you see kind of that, that newer model maybe could be a boost to Locust Point? Yeah, I think of it really, you know, it's analogous to the stuff over in Brewers Hill, which has become its own little kingdom over there. You add a little bit of density and then just some some feet on the street. And and I think, you know, Locust Point is always going to be it's really nice location to to plant a flag. You know, with that move, Port Covington gets its anchor where, you know, Under Armour's bringing what they're saying is going to be about eleven hundred employees a day down to Port Covington. They're going to be occupying close to a half a million square feet of office space down there with their new two hundred eighty four thousand square foot building with the uh, old building with the building 37 they already have down there they're going to bring a 30,000 square foot under armor retail store down there so how does that boost the port covington project that now we know for sure that you're going to get those those under armor workers you're going to get that big retail store how does that make life easier for those trying to lease the spaces in the rest of the port covington development well i think like any master development in baltimore um it's going to be a long road to hoe you look at harbor point and you look at some of the other ones that are you know, far more established in the marketplace. And 
you know, we hear headlines every three months, every six months. It's not every month in terms of progress. So any sort of foundational identity to the property, and especially in a, a, an anchor office tenant like that, is going to help the next shoe fall. So, you know, expect future announcements about other safe bets, maybe multifamily uh, kicking off the next phase or hospitality, because, you know, when you have a work campus down there with a caliber of employer like that, then of course there's going to be an extended stay hotel or something. So they, they out of the box, I'm sure, understand the demand that's going to come with just that one piece um, of satisfied demand down there. And with that Port Covington development, obviously we're hearing about, you know, apartments and hotels and restaurants and then different types of office spaces. I know they're talking about getting cyber companies and, and educational companies. Is there any kind of use you could see going in there that might need a lot of space? I don't know whether that's like a new a new grad school for like a local college or whether it could be like a big facility for somebody like Kaiser. Is there any type of uses maybe we're not thinking about that could be attracted to a space like that that has a lot of space, maybe it's kind of like city light in a way where it's kind of in the city, but the parking's easier, you know, maybe some of the, the panhandling issues are easier down there. So are there any kind of creative uses you could see that might take an interest in an area like Port Covington that has a bit of a blank slate? Yeah, I think for the past several years, they've been thinking along the lines of a national harbor and trying to project how grand and how over the top of a, of a regional sort of destination it could be. I think now probably the focus should be on, on stuff, true regionalism, that stuff that is around the Baltimore DMA to, uh, to reach out to a Kaiser and stuff. Along those lines, Kevin, I have been banging on doors of these medical facilities because essentially as retail has struggled to absorb space and with healthcare being so sort of prominent in today's discussions of everything, a lot of the activity in leasing is taking place in physical therapy, dental, these medical um, service uses, outbound and small. In talking to more of these medical name brands around the metro area, some of the discussion is about doing truly regional nodes small hospitals, if you will, like one-stop shops. And again, when you look at the city, zoom back on you know the 10,000-foot basis, it's hard to find places like that that have suitable parcels to do it. And so, yeah, with the developer's path of least resistance perspective, it's a great place. Two vendors that constantly come up as people wanting in South Baltimore are, are Trader Joe's and Target. Obviously, Trader Joe's is a company that does not expand a lot. And I've certainly heard there's issues there where they want to be able to sell beer and wine. But uh, any chance that two companies like that, like a Trader Joe's or, or a Target, could find a, a home in Port Covington or maybe somewhere else in South Baltimore? Obviously, you have the old shoppers at uh, at Southside Shopping Center that's been, you know, they're going to have an exit at some point. So any any way to fit kind of some retail vendors like that into the into the area somewhere? Well, I'd be happy to talk sort of the grocery picture. You know, that's a an interesting topic, subtopic in commercial real estate right now because it it's notes of e-commerce, it's notes of sort of price point and and the middle effect. Um, so that could be like a you know a whole different ballgame. But in South Baltimore, I would say you'd be hard pressed to demonstrate need. I hear things about the shoppers box because shoppers, which was, you know, at my most recent check, a 25 unit grocery chain, you know, they're in a very uncertain state 
And so their locations all over the East Coast are falling out and becoming different things. So Southside Marketplace, it's, a, it's, it's not controversial to say probably inside of two years will not be a shopper's. So there'll be some other grocery offering there. The Harris Teeter has always held its own visibly. You know, so is there a need for a Trader Joe's on top of that? I think the community would would clamor and they would message board as they do all over America to jockey for it. But, you know, I don't know that the brand would sort of see that at this point on the peninsula. And moving on uh, to Harbor Place, the pavilions down there right at the heart of the Inner Harbor. Very frustrating situation for so many in Baltimore, as you see. It was... Uh, Purchased by the Ashkenazi group a handful of years ago, and they started a renovation and it eventually fell into foreclosure. And now it sits with a receiver and everyone's kind of frustrated by the lack of progress. And obviously, this is prime property in Baltimore, and it was once kind of the place you had to visit if you came to Baltimore. So any any thoughts you have about the future of Harbor Place? Any any reason we should have any optimism, any creative creative ideas you think could come up for those parcels? Some of the best opportunities for the parcels, sort of, unfortunately, this, this ship has sailed. I think a lot of us, when we get together, we just say, ah, that should have been or could have been the casino. That would have provided a sort of lot of innate security, a lot of feet on the street. And though that is a somewhat obnoxious use to some people, I mean, it would have been sort of a restoration or a chance to hit the reset button there in, in you know, the main and main of, of downtown. Decidedly. The center of gravity has moved east in Baltimore. I mean, it is essentially Harbor East. Harbor Point is the new downtown as anointed by the corporate community because we're seeing lease after lease of people migrating. Bank of America, highly likely you know, Transamerica, BWC before the whole thing. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. That... Unfortunately, that that ship has sailed. Um, I think there's enough stakeholders this time around that um, they have to address it in this next four year increment. During during the Mayor Scott administration, it has to be rebooted. Uh, I was at drinks two weeks ago um, in Harbor East, and I saw a group of people. That was a right configuration of people, including um, Shalonda Stokes, um, some other past people that have been involved formulatively with Harbor Place, um, having having dinner and drinks. And I, I think they were addressing this subject, you know, virtually right from go in her administration. So there's a lot of voices. There's other downtown private owners that are clamoring. Other brokers, obviously, you read the paper that are clamoring that that these these assets be addressed. And and what do they say? It's it's safety, it's feet on the street, it's some pride and sense and localism that we seem to lack. We're we're all clamoring that something happened. I'm optimistic that something will happen. Is there any talk about maybe leveling one of the pavilions to maybe get more park space down there and maybe boost the other pavilion? Or are there any creative thoughts you're seeing about how to really reinvent it down there and maybe get better views or any anything like that? I know a committee was formed a couple of years ago, which had all the OG people from the Rouse company included and, and saying, hey, you know, what should this be a second time around? A, a good friend and mentor of mine, Bowie Arnott, was on that committee and you know, wrote a letter of support or some sort of opinion on it. And, you know, it, it is a blend of needing to diminish the amount of retail that's there, 
and blend it with other uses. Public space, some institutional space, again, bring security traffic, feet on the street to the presence, all day parts. Try to, you know, turn it what it is into a, a fully activated hub of the city. I've heard of uses, including, you know, some sort of uh, barge type use, a blend of sort of like an amusement and a spa out on a barge right there. The city couldn't get creative about that to accommodate something that would have been sort of first of its kind out there. I think we have to sort of loosen our grip on some things and, you know, understand that people gathering begets good things um, from a public safety standpoint. Speaking of people gathering, Governor Hogan sort of expedited their move in recent weeks to get get those office workers who work for the state of Maryland from State Center, which is in Midtown, down to the downtown core. They're going to start with a, a first load of 720 workers looking for 105,000 square feet of office space. The total will eventually be you know, 3,300 workers. Likely, they'll be looking for somewhere in the ballpark of 500,000 square foot of office space. Uh, what, what type of impact could you see that having on the Central Business District? Yeah, I mean, it feels like the cavalry has arrived. I mean, um, this has been talked about for a long time. I mean, the redevelopment of State Center has been opposed for a long time because a lot of the downtown landlords, Peter Angelos included, you know, like sort of concerned that if you move those small state agencies, those, you know, dink and dunk office spaces purely out to a new revitalized state center, it really will be a terrible downward pressure on the downtown. So this is, you know, confirming the opposite, that those 3,300 plus people would be helping firm up uh, downtown as it, it feels like the reinforcements are here. How big are some of those office buildings down there? Because obviously, if you think of maybe they're looking for half a million square feet, could we see this spread across several buildings? Or is there a chance maybe they'll just find one empty building and load everybody into there? Do you see any way this could play out? Yeah, I'd hate to see just pure picking winners and, you know, losers in one fell swoop like that. I think, you know, sort of it it is got to be a hybrid of making the right choice for the office and use. But at the same time, I would I would hope that it would sort of benefit the greater downtown because, you know, what we saw largely, you know, for the past five, 10 years in Baltimore is a flight to quality is the, the cliche that, you know, has been overused by our office community. But streets like Lombard and so on and so forth, moving north off of the Inner Harbor, office tenants were effectively for the same rent at the next renewal, able to migrate down to Pratt Street. And then with sort of uh, air being let out of the balloon on Pratt Street via people moving eastward, We'd hope that there would be some floor of support provided by this office tenant, you know, the, the state agencies. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame you hear so much, uh, you know, talking to Jim, talking to you, you, you hear so much of people in Baltimore just kind of bouncing around. Unfortunately, the state of Maryland and the city of Baltimore hasn't well positioned itself as a place that's luring all kinds of new companies, like obviously some some places like Atlanta and Austin seem to be doing big time. So hopefully, hopefully somehow with this juxtaposition of things to Port Covington and Harbor East, and hopefully these office workers downtown, we can strengthen all those communities and get, get some good stability and build from there. But uh yeah, prominent, prominent local developer, millions of square feet. They control some of the Beltway sites that everybody commenting from from the outside looking in would say would lure the downtown company to move to the burbs. And I asked them about it. I said, you know, there, there are two prominent sites. And they said, you know, the, the phone isn't ringing about it. It's not like uh, that narrative isn't necessarily true. People screaming to to move into a little mini 
campus um, in the burbs. But at the same time, people are making strategic moves about their office space in general. And in the city, there's some drivers that have to be addressed. Sure. Yeah. You think about that. Uh, it seemed like the, the boomer generation really kind of led that move towards towards Hunt Valley and Columbia and those areas. And it seems like uh, Gen X and uh, the millennials and Gen Z are really kind of attracted more to that city where you certainly hear about companies like, like T. Rowe Price, where they have that campus out of Knowings Mills, but I think they know they need to have that cool vibe down in the city to, to lure talent. Are you seeing that as well? Or maybe this younger generation is kind of more attracted to the city where even if a company wants to do a lot of its operations out in the suburbs, they still need that city location just to just to lure some talent? Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a zip code thing, but, you know, the world is flexible in that regard. It can be, you know, for Transamerica's purposes, it could be a regional office with 200 people. It doesn't have to be naming rights of the phallic office tower, you know, <laughs> like the blimp shot doesn't have to be part of the modern paradigm. I would also sort of say, Kevin, like, you know, from a historical perspective, a lot of the commercial real estate industry really got into high gear in the suburbs in 1968. So it is things that have the sort of seismic shift of, you know, it's like events like that that sort of beget changes like the development of White Marsh and Hunt Valley and Lutherville and Owens Mills. So, you know, right now we're in a similar kind of seismic shift. There will be changes unknown yet. And uh, I know you touched on it with, with Jim Chivers and yeah, an expert in his product type, but e-com and last mile and all that stuff is super hot. You know, South Baltimore, from a, a jobs perspective and relevance perspective, is perfect in that. It's straddled by all the infrastructure. Absolutely. So I know, I know you've done a lot of work with retail. I know you've helped a lot of restaurants find their home, a lot of building owners help lure tenants into restaurants. So what local trends are you seeing? Seeing any trends in Federal Hill or Locust Point or the rest of the city as far as kind of the restaurant industry and the retail? I know it's been a tough year for restaurants, but I think we've been pretty lucky to see a lot of them in South Baltimore hold on. So any any trends you're seeing there? Any deals you're working on? Well, a couple of trends. I mean, I would say that the restaurant bars in a neighborhood like Dead End Saloon and, and that kind of thing, like they have seen a resurgence in sales. And I would say, you know, they're faring better than the sort of downtown district guys, the side street of cross street or something like that. Like the volumes of the neighborhood places bolstered by a very landed, planted customer and some neighborhood loyalty and localism are doing great, it seems to me. I've heard terrific, you know, the food scene is great down in, in South Baltimore. Lemoncello is a, is a over the top, you know, great meal in an over the top, not for everybody's face. You know, that's, that's um, pretty wild. Then, you know, I hear nothing but good things about Jason Ambrose's place down in South Baltimore, the old salt chef. 1157 Bar and Kitchen. Yeah, kitchen I, and bar, I mean, yeah. and that's from, from other industry food folks like telling me I have to go. So I think there's a lot of be assets to be proud of down there. And I know I have two tenants that are perennially nibbling down there. Towson Hot Bagel, which she never landed a deal. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, another group from Howard County. That's ethnic food. And we've been nibbling around Anthem House and Southside Marketplace, you know, just unable to make the the two ends of the of the rope connect. But there there is some activity. And I think you've got some some exciting new openings that have occurred there. So everybody seems to be staying put. I'm not seeing four lease signs lying up. So Gotcha. Well, we've mentioned Towson Hot Bagels. 
Trader Joe's and Target in one podcast, I think this thing might go viral. All right. Hashtag go viral. <laughs> well, certainly, uh, man, if we could get uh, I know I know that Towson Hot Bagels deal to South Baltimore has been talked about and flirted with. I know you know the nuts and bolts of that. You probably can't disclose. I know that's been talked about for a long time, but man, would that make people happy. So hopefully something happens there. I know there's some opportunities to get those bagels on the peninsula with certain vendors, but uh, certainly it would be cool to get get the whole deal. And before we let you go, Mike, anything uh, anything you're working on? Any any news with you you'd like to let us know? Any Anything coming in the pipeline? Well, I should tell you, Pizza Channel, Kevin, that from Business Property Pro, I leased my first space without actually showing it. So on the edge of Harbor East, 803 South Caroline Street, Henry DeFord and I leased uh, the former Agora Market space to the folks that own Namaste Baltimore up in Roland Park. Uh, to do an Indian restaurant. They're in for liquor board transfer. They should be opening, I guess, in early summer. But it is a first from a fellow YouTuber. First time I've leased a space without actually keying the person into it. Very cool. Yeah, obviously, uh, got to love all that technology with phones and Wi-Fi. And that allows us to do a, a podcast like this. So very cool. Hopefully, it's a good next six months for everybody. People are getting vaccinated. It feels like things are getting more normal. Things are getting loosened. So hopefully, whatever people knew as kind of normal business, I don't think we'll ever get back to normal. But hopefully, things feel more normal this summer and continues forward and hopefully keeping keeping guys like you and Henry and Jim very busy. Mike, thanks so much for, for joining us today. There's obviously some huge real estate stories going on and you've really provided some great perspective. And hopefully with, with things like Harbor Place and the development of Tide Point and Port Covington, we can check back in with you hopefully within the next year or so. And hopefully there's, there's more news to discuss there. And uh, best of luck with your deals. And uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for all you do and your reporting. Seriously, um, I think South Baltimore's got a lot to be proud of and lots to monitor and you do a great job with it. This week in South Baltimore. Sebo Hun. Brought to you by SouthBmore.com.